We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a very special edition of the Bronx Pinstripe Show. This is episode 335. So today I spoke with Robert Flores at Roflow on Twitter. He hosts um, the MLB Network morning show called MLB Central. It's on 10 uh, 10 a.m. every day. And they are doing uh, their show live from Yankee Stadium before the Yankees and Padres game on Wednesday. So he came on the show. We talked about a bunch of different things, um, anything from around the league, changes that he would like to see implemented in the game, uh, who the face of baseball is, what's going to shake out in the American League this year between the Astros, the Yankees, the Red Sox, if the Twins are legit, are the Rays legit. And then also he's an Astros fan. He grew up in Houston, so he sort of talked about his Astros fandom and how he's had that going on while being more of a national media perspective um, and what he did to uh, celebrate the 2017 championship and a bunch of other uh, fun things about about his fandom growing up as well as what his favorite Major League Baseball video game is. So enjoy the episode and one final thing. All uh, information about the May 31st event should be in your email boxes or coming out very soon. Uh, T-shirts are in the mail. Hope to see everyone there. We're going to do the pregame at the dugout Friday before the game. Show up. Get rowdy. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
We're going to kick the crap out of the Red Sox. Enjoy the episode. I'm sitting in the crib dreaming about Learjets and Coops. The way salt shoots and how to sell records like Snoop. I'm interrupted by a doorbell. Joining the podcast now is Robert Flores at RowFlow on Twitter. He co-hosts MLB Networks, MLB Central, weekdays 10 a.m. with Lauren Sciotti and Mark DeRosa. And this Wednesday, they will be broadcasting live from Yankee Stadium before the Yankees and Padres game. Robert, thanks for joining. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so you guys are going to be set up on the stadium before Wednesday's game. And we were just talking about how normally you're in the studio, but you do like right. taking the show on the road. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's uh, something different. Uh, we get a chance to show ourselves and, and uh, uh, meet some of the, the, the players and, and coaches and managers that uh, we're, we're always talking about. Uh, on the show, but it just gives us a chance to to meet them and and chat with them, and and they uh, can can talk with us and uh, uh, ask any questions of us or or anything. So just a chance to for for us to to mingle a little bit, and and also, uh, I, like I said, it, it, it's it's a just a different just a different vibe, kind of mix it up a little bit. So that's always good to do. Right, and this Wednesday it looks like the Padres are moving Paddock to to that game on Wednesday to get him pitching against the Yankees. Um, that's, I think that's kind of telling of what this Padres team is looking to do this year. Yeah. And uh, look, I think Paddock is one of the more, uh, I think he's one of the most promising pitching prospects going right now at the major league level. I love his moxie. I love that he uh, embraces the moment he pitches with an edge, which I like. Um, so I'm eager to see how he handles this moment because um, whether it's the regular season or the postseason, pitching at Yankee Stadium is it's just different. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it's, it's the big it's it's the it's the big city. If it's the fans, maybe it's all of it. But it but it's just different. It has a different vibe to it. So I'm I'm interested to see how he handles it all. Yeah, and when you guys are are doing the show. Um, because it is MLB Network, you guys are covering all the stories from around the league. So how do you sort of balance mm-hmm. the broad topics with wanting to deep dive into a specific play or a specific team yeah. or, or whatever it is? Well, I think we, we are conscious of trying to spread the wealth a little bit, right? I mean, um, we can't just uh, exclusively devote to the Yankees or the Red Sox. So we do try to uh, spread the wealth. And if there is a team or player that is, uh, having an exceptional stretch or has done something incredible, or maybe it's a, it's a player, a, a, a star that's in the midst of a, uh, of a terrible slump. We try to highlight, uh, what's interesting. We try to highlight things that maybe we haven't touched on, uh, in the days previous or even the weeks previous. So we just try to give everyone a, a big picture view while at the same time narrow, you know, really focusing in on what we think uh, are some of the interesting storylines around the league. I don't know if you've noticed this, but, but it's something my co-host Scott and I have talked about a bunch this year. It feels like there's two, two sort of factions of baseball fan. You have your traditionalist, your old school metrics kind of uh, eye test, mm-hmm. fan. and now you have like these analytics first. We call them baseball nerds <clears throat> that are, are that seem to be trying to run things. Do you agree with that? That it seems like you're, there's a lot of people that fall into one of those two camps. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I also think that there is 
I mean, I, I think that there's probably many people that are a little bit of both that sure. uh, love the traditional aspects of the game while also are really interested in what the numbers and the metrics and the, and the analytics of, of the game and what they have to offer. I, I've always maintained that baseball needs a big tent, right? Um, they, they need to uh, welcome all. Uh, they need to welcome the the seven year old who just likes to maybe just see the cool uniforms or just wants to eat the hot dogs or the ice cream. But they also maybe want the uh, the teenager or the high school baseball player that uh, is 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 fascinated by the strategy and loves the difficulty of the game. And then you know the baseball nerd, quote unquote, um, that loves the numbers and and really likes to dig into the data and find hidden gems or find maybe some uh, aspects of the game that aren't being talked about or are underrated. So I, I think just baseball needs a big tent. Everyone should be welcome, no matter how you consume the game or how you like to watch the game. Um, baseball needs to embrace all of it. And is that what you guys try and do on the show? I think so. I think we try to um, present baseball in a way that – we, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. Um, if, if we can find a particular, particular um, element of, of a team or a player and present it in a unique way, maybe with a little humor attached to it, I think that's when we're at our best. I think we are also at our best when we can have players come on, uh, whether it's in studio or if we're talking to them remotely at the stadium, that... Um, that they can show a different side of their personality. Um, we don't always have to ask them straight baseball questions. Maybe we're asking them, you know, D Rose always famous for asking, what, what did you eat for breakfast? Or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's a particular hobby or, or, or outside interest that is interesting. So I, I think we're at our best also when we can show, uh, when we can allow players to show a different side of themselves. And I think that's good because with the way media is today and you get your baseball questions and answers immediately after games with 100 beat reporters posting about it, that when you do have a chance to talk to a player on on TV, on your show, honestly, fans probably don't want to hear hear about the situation last night. They'd rather get into the the head and learn more about the person. Yeah. No, I I think that that's um, a fair uh, assessment you're, because you're right. We, we, we have fans that are uh, extremely knowledgeable. They know everything about everything, right? I mean, it's, you know, they have information at their fingertips 24 seven. So what can we bring them that is new or different or something that they don't know? So if, if we can get a player, as I said, to, to tell us something about, themselves that we don't already know that we didn't see last night or we haven't read about last night then I, I think we can we can be ahead of the game and do you think that's a problem that some of the personalities in baseball now because like I feel like all offseason all we heard about was baseball has so many problems pace of play young people aren't watching there's no superstar why aren't free agents getting signed like all of these problems yeah. were talked about and I feel like we were missing and not focusing on the things that are actually great about baseball don't, don't you feel like yeah. that's sort of the narrative around the game? Yeah, I mean, there's certain... And, and that's not to say that the issues that you mentioned aren't valid sure, or they're aren't real. concerning. 
Yeah, absolutely. But there are, uh, you know, the, the thing that I've learned uh, since coming to to MLB Network is that there's a lot of there's a lot of good dudes uh, that, that play this game. There's a lot of really interesting people um, that are involved with the game, and and there's a lot of really talented, dynamic athletes that make up the sport. And um, I, I think that there is. Uh, and, and I, I think we, and I say we as a, as a media, as an industry, tend to uh, lose sight of that fact. And that's not, as I said, that's not to say that those stories or those particular elements that you mentioned aren't worthy of scrutiny or aren't worthy of being discussed. I, I just think that um, sometimes we need to do a better job of, of highlighting the players because, as I said, um, the game is in a good spot when you consider all the young talent that is coming into the league. The best players right now are young and dynamic, and they are extremely talented. And I also think right now baseball is fortunate that a lot of the best players are on some of the most popular teams in the most popular cities with the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, mm-hmm. the Cubs, the Dodgers. Like All of these teams are the biggest markets, and they are the best teams in baseball right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, Trout being the, the, the outlier and that the Angels are in, you know, a, a different phase of, of development. They're trying to kind of figure things out. But look, luckily Trout is going to be uh, there for the foreseeable future, so that's definitely a win for them. But, but you're right. I mean, you've got uh, Bellinger in Los Angeles and Judge in, in New York, and you mentioned the, the uh, collection of stars that the, that the Astros have, and then the Red Sox and and Bogart and J.D. Martinez. So that, I, I just think the game is in a really good spot. Um, and and I, I think that uh, the, the, the future is bright because it's in a good place. I mean, the best, the best players uh, are, are just kind of in their, just in their prime, and, and you, you would think that their prime is going to, going to be a good period of time. You mentioned Trout. I don't think anyone who watches more than two baseball games would ever say Mike Trout is not the best baseball player on the planet right now. But he's certainly not the most recognizable. Like, do you think, do you think, like, I kind of say this jokingly because I think it is silly, but quote, face of MLB. Do you think there needs to be a face of MLB? That's a difficult question. Um, you know, I, part of me would say to that, um, two things. One, I think the way fans, the way young people consume media and consume or, or kind of their state of fandom or how they are as fans are different than, than, than the way I did it growing up. I'm a child of the 70s, so uh, I knew about the players and the teams. I mean, you had the big red machine and those great Yankee teams. I, I think, and I could be wrong here, but I think the young people of today, or if you're a certain age, maybe you don't have fan allegiances, but you know, you're, uh, Oh, I, I'm a Mike Trout fan, mm. but I don't necessarily root for the angels. Oh, I love Aaron judge, but I don't necessarily root for the Yankees. Right. So, so I'm wondering if, if maybe that, that is the way to go. And, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I mean, there's, there's people a lot smarter than me that whose job it is to, to figure it out. I will say on the Mike Trout question, you know, he told us a story about uh, in spring training. We had a chance to talk with him, and he said, 
Uh, he told us a story how he went to a pet store. Uh, him and his wife were looking for something for, for their dog. And he said that he could sense people looking at him and pointing out. And he said two minutes later he was mobbed for, for autographs. And he said that's part of it. I understand the responsibility of it. So, you know, I, I, there's... There was criticism about, you know, Trout and what is his responsibility. So uh, the point of the story is that I, I came away with the fact that no one takes no one takes the job of being Mike Trout more seriously than Mike Trout. He's doing everything he has to do to be who he is, and he carries the responsibility of being that face of Major League Baseball. I don't think he's the singular face. I think he's one of a handful. But when you're talking best player on the field, he's a cut above. He, yes, and um, I think the criticism thrown at him from a year or two ago was totally unfair. Um, I don't think it's. Mm-hmm. I, I just I think it was ridiculous, and uh, for the I think the commissioner even commented on it. it. It was I think it was off base, but I think you're right because like you said, you're a child of the '70s. I'm a child of the '90s. I think back about the '90s, and I don't. Obviously, I think Derek Jeter because I'm a Yankees fan, but I also think Ken yeah. Jr. and Sammy Sosa mm-hmm. and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds. Like so, it was a collective face of baseball it wasn't one single guy and now you have judge and mookie betts and chris bryant and bellinger and trout like that i don't yeah. think that's a, i don't think that's a problem so i i i just think that yeah and, and you also mentioned maybe people are are fans of players and not necessarily of teams. I don't know. Maybe maybe a 15-year-old follows Mike Trout the same way he follows LeBron James. But I think baseball is yeah. kind of different than basketball or, or even football, where part of the reason baseball is my favorite sport is because like you fall in love with a single team over the course of the year and the ups and downs. And I feel like something is taken away if all you're following is like Mike Trout's at-bats. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, look, if, if it also really it depends on where you live. I mean, if you are, let's say you're a Detroit Tigers fan and your team is in a phase right now where they're not necessarily considered a championship contender, maybe you're going to gravitate to the, to the singular player, to the singular star, just because, you know, your particular hometown team or regional team it's struggling a little bit, and, and, and that's totally natural. That's totally fair. Um, but I, in, in the end, I think the, when you look at the on-field product, I mean, yeah, there's some things that probably could be tweaked. But overall, I think the place is in a good game, is in a good place just because there's so many talented stars that are, that are in their primes. If you had to change one rule, if you had to implement one rule, what would it be? Ooh, man, just one. Hmm, that is a... Boy, I'll Wait, tell you mine. I think the game choose? needs to be quicker. Yeah, tell me yours. <laughs> I think the game needs to yeah. be quicker. I mean, I I watch every baseball game. I follow every baseball game. But it's still like yeah. sometimes you get a four hour nine inning game, and it's just it's not how the game should be played. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I think I'm I would find a way, and I'm not sure what the one singular solution is. Maybe it's a collection of of rule tweaks that ultimately get you to the final goal. But I think the game could pace of play, I think is something that um, can continue to be refined and improved. Maybe it's, you know what, if you're, if you're in the batters, maybe you got to keep one foot in the batter's box. 
mm-hmm. at all times. You know, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's as simple as that. Uh, kind of just, hey, let's play some ready golf here, so to speak. Right. Uh, but, but, but I'm with you. I, that might be the, the area that I want to continue to see uh, more study, more refinement, and, and maybe some more improvement as well. So there was a Twitter video, I believe the Pitching Ninja, I don't know if you've heard of that account, tweeted it out maybe a month or so ago, that did a side-by-side of the 1978 Yankees-Red Sox playoff game versus a Yankees-Red Sox game from this past playoffs with David Price on the mound. And the pitcher pitching for the Red Sox threw three pitches in the time it took David Price to throw one pitch. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm, yeah. And um, listen... um, you know that that is a, and and I know what the video you're talking about, and and it's jarring to see. Um, I will say this in Price's defense, I I would, and I don't know this for sure, but I would think that the the his counterpart in the '70s maybe didn't have all the different data and other things that he has to consider rolling around in his head. You know what I mean? So of course, of, oh, of um, course he it, didn't. Like he yeah. didn't. It's just we yeah. know he so didn't. It, it, yeah, it, it's it's different to it's it's difficult to compare the um, different you know generations and things like that. But yeah, there is it, you, you know yeah I, I'm with <laughs> you. There's times where you're where you're watching a game and maybe it doesn't have to be David Price, but it's pitcher whomever. Oh, Masahiro like, Tanaka is slow throw, as hell too. Yeah, so. <laughs> dude, just throw the ball, man. Yes. And you know, and the thing is, you know that his his teammates behind him are thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do throw the ball, you know. Um, but but I get it. There's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of um, there's so much information. There's so much uh, that's involved in just the execution of one pitch. So I get it. Um, and and maybe just the simple thing of of kind of urging David Price, urging teams, urging managers to. Tell the players, hey, you know, more often than not, if you speed up, things are good. Things can happen, right? Um, I think of uh, Mark Burley was a quick worker. Yes. Wade Miley is a quick worker. Now, are those two pitchers on the level of David Price? No, but I, I really like the way they attack it, and I think the teammates behind them are also better for it when the pitcher's working faster. Absolutely. And I think batters are to blame, too, in the sense that now with all analytics and launch angle and that whole revolution, that there's less contact. And when you have less contact, you have more home runs, more strikeouts and more walks. And those two those three things take a long time. Yeah. And, and you know, getting back to the one rule, um, maybe the the second rule and maybe this is something that can improve pace of play. I'd ban the shift. I, oh, I really that's just. Yeah, I would I would ban the shift in in some form. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not you know sold on whether it's at least two on each on each side of second base. Maybe you know an infielder has to have feet on the dirt. Mm. I, I don't know, but I, I do think that um, banning the shift is is something that needs to happen. Um, you know, baseball. I mean, basketball has any you know they implemented illegal defense. The NFL has you know, no touching of the receiver beyond five yards. So different sports find ways to, to tweak things and they have, they do it rapidly. And that is, that is something that I, that I wish baseball could, you know, adopt, you know, find a way to, to, to make some rule changes. Let's, let's see what, let's see if we can do it. Let's see what it looks like. And if it doesn't work, then we change it. 
you know, players are these players are the best in the world. They can adjust uh, no matter what the rules are. And they've baseball has done that in the minors and in different affiliated leagues where they they're testing things. So I think we're we're yeah. moving in that direction. I think it's a good thing too. Not I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with you about banning the shift, but I think testing things is is the way to go and finding out what works. Absolutely. And if and if it turns out to be a total disaster, then we try something different or or just go back. It's not it's not the end of the world. So we kind of touched on analytics and and that you try and blend both perspectives. Um, one thing mm-hmm. that uh, we talk about on this show, because the Yankees and Brian Cashman and their analytics department is supposedly the biggest in baseball, and I have read they do not believe that a player can be hot or cold or that a player can be clutch. Do you? How do you feel mm-hmm. about those things? I don't. I feel like, and I don't know what the science is, but. I think that there are players, some players rise to the moment and some players don't. Mm -hmm. Some players can lower the heartbeat when things are chaotic or at their, at at the, at the biggest times and some players can't, I don't know what you call that. And you know, I, I don't, but that's just the way it feels to me. That's the way it appears to me. Um, I mean, in, in baseball, especially, are, are these players going to come through all the time? No, the game is, is too difficult. The, the game is not built that way. But when, when I look at, at particular numbers, so-and-so is batting 425 with the bases loaded in his career, that, that means something to me. Um, now, if you want to find something, kind of take a deeper dive into the numbers and show me something differently, I'd be willing to listen and I can be willing to be convinced otherwise. But um, I, I just, I don't know if I buy that one because um, like I said, there, there's some players that, uh, that can find a way to rise to the moment and, uh, and others can't. I don't know what you call it. I don't know if you want to call it clutch or I don't know if, you know, if it's science or whatnot, but that's just what I see. Yeah, my the thing I always cite with if a player can be clutch or not, and maybe it's not necessarily that they always come through in the game-winning situation because that's unrealistic. But Derek Jeter's career batting average in the regular season is three ten, and it's three oh eight in the postseason. So what that tells me is that he is the same player when it doesn't quote unquote doesn't matter in June and July, and then matters the most in October and a World Series game. Yeah, and he's facing the best competition yeah. and the best pitchers, and he hits the same as he does when it's game fifty-five. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there's there's I think there's value in that. I think a team would, if you were to ask a manager or or his teammates, hey, uh, what what you seeing from from Derek Jeter in June? is going to be what you see in, in the postseason in October. Are you okay with that? They'd probably say, yeah, sign me up. Right. Um, so, uh, again, did, did, did Jeter come through every time? No, no one can. But there's, it, it, I, I, And like I said, I don't know what, what, if it's science or not, but, it, but as a fan, there's some dudes, when, you're, when the game is on the line late in the game, your team's down six to four, they've got runners at second and third and two outs, there's some guys where you feel comfortable, oh, okay, make, I feel good about this guy. And there's some guys that are at the plate, you're like, no way. <laughs> right, <laughs> this, right. Guy's not, this guy is not coming through. So I don't know what that is, but, but it's, I think it's a real thing. 
Absolutely. I want to switch gears a little bit. So I know you're from the Houston area, and I'm assuming you grew yeah. up an Astros fan. Um, I did, yeah. Yeah. When you started to do more national media stuff, and now you're hosting a network show that uh-huh. covers the entire league, how do you sort of put aside your fandom? I'm, do you still root for the Astros? Do you still have a rooting interest? Sure. Sure. But you still have yeah, to be... Yeah. You still have to try and be objective and talk about everything. And Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, how, I mean, it's got to be difficult, though, right? Well, I, you know, I really don't think it is difficult. I, I think because uh, I, people already know, oh, he's from Houston, he's an Astros fan, that I think it's kind of understood that they already know that going in. But I make a point not to go crazy with it. I'm not... Uh, you know, when I was at Yankee Stadium covering the uh, the ALCS in 17, the Yankees won all three games. I, I had to interview their, their uh, you know, the, the went to the winning locker room. So it's, it's not, I was a professional. It's not like I was going in there <laughs> wearing an Astros jersey, you know. So I, I think if, if you tell people, and look, I, I, I think that the reason myself and uh, my colleagues got into this kind of work is because we were fans. Um, exactly. But we were fans of something. So you just have to be smart and just be, uh, just be professional. I would never, uh, and, and you know, a- after the, the Astros won game seven, I, I, I wasn't trolling Yankee fans or, uh, uh, you know, going on Twitter or Facebook saying, you know, there you stick it, Yankee fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just um, you just have to be smart about it. And and uh, I think if people know that you're coming from a place of of it's it's genuine, it's something that you were uh, you grew up with. It's something you've always been. Um, they under they can take it. And also, if you if your execution is that of a professional and 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 you're not uh, uh, taking it too far, I don't think you'll have a problem. Yeah, I just try and put myself in the shoes, and if I were to ever be in a situation interviewing guys after a game, and it was the the Red Sox who just beat the Yankees in the playoff series, yeah, I, I don't know how I would be able to look that Red Sox player in the face and and ask nice questions. Yeah, no, you'd be able, you would be able to do it because <laughs> you know you're in that you're in that setting, you're in you're in their clubhouse, so it's almost like you're, I mean, literally, you're in their house, so. You would treat, I mean, look, you would treat it with respect. You would treat them sure. with respect. You would show professionalism because that's just the, that's just the nature of it. I mean, unless you're just a total maniac, you're not going <laughs> to go in there and, uh, uh, and troll them or, no. or do anything no. to, it would to kill try me to offend them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just like with everything else, you take those negative feelings and you just bury them. You bury them deep inside. Bury them deep down. So how'd you celebrate yeah. the Astros first championship? Uh, you know, we, I was in studio. Unfortunately, I was not in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I was in studio throwing to our coverage, but, um, I had the day of game seven, I decided to write a, uh, an essay in the event that they won. Um, so I, I put the finishing touches on that essay, um, because I, it was something that I, uh, wanted to write. And, and I asked my bosses, I said, look, if they win, uh, is this something you, you would uh, you would consider, you know, putting together if I write it? And they they said, yeah, sure. So um, I put the finishing touches on it, and uh, it it aired a couple of days later, and and 
it, it, it was something that I was really proud of. So it, it you know, um, it's, it's, for, if, for, for the Yankee fans, it's, it's especially ones that are your age or even younger or, you know, older, uh, that you can't relate really because your team has had so much success. They've been the cornerstone of the league for so long and a signature franchise for so long. Whereas the Astros, they had, they had some success, but certainly not the kind that the Red Sox or the Yankees experienced. So to get that first one, um, it was, it was special, especially when you consider, you know, you put it in the context of what was going on with Hurricane Harvey. Mm -hmm. So it is something that still resonates with fans and will always resonate with fans. And they won maybe one of the most exciting seven game world series we'll ever see. Yeah. Yeah. I was at game five there in Houston and, uh, to this day, it's, it's the most memorable sporting event I've, I've ever witnessed in person. Um, you know, for, for the Dodgers to jump all over Keiko the way they did. And then they had Kershaw and you're thinking, well, um, it looks like they're going to go down to go to Los Angeles down three, two, but for them to come back and then the Dodgers came back, it was a remarkable game. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's one that I have recorded on my DVR and I'll, <laughs> I'll just watch, uh, you know, sometimes. And, um, it, it, it was just an amazing, amazing scene. All right, so I got a really difficult question for you. If you are starting a baseball team and you can only have one of them, mm -hmm. Bagwell or Biggio, who are you taking? Ooh, that's a real tough one. Wow. Boy, I might lean. Gosh, God, they, you either. Boy, they, you kind of feel like there's, a, there's no right answer, but there's also it, it, there's a wrong answer, too. <laughs> I might lean. I might lean uh, Biggio. Okay. Just. You know, um, what I, he did, it, you know, going from catcher to, to second base and an all-star at both. Um, but man, Bagwell was really good. What do you think? Yeah, I think Bagwell. I think Bagwell was a better player. But I understand why you would say Biggio. I, I feel like he represents the Astros more. If if I'm mm -hmm. trying to put myself in an Astros fan, like they would be. Biggio probably has more fans. Uh -huh. There's probably more Biggio yeah. jerseys in the stadium on any given day than Bagwell. But I think yeah. I think when you're just looking for a better player, like if I'm an outsider, I'm taking Bagwell. You know, speaking of Bagwell, uh, I was talking with I can't remember who it was, but they were saying that Jeff Bagwell, and it was a former player, uh, it may have been a pitcher, said Jeff Bagwell's the best base runner I ever had to deal with. Really? And you know that yeah, that really surprised me, and. Um, and, and he said, and I wish I knew who, who, who had said that told me, um, but he said that he was so instinctual. He, was, uh, he, he wasn't fast, uh, wasn't a burner, but he was great at, he could steal a bag. He could go first to third. He knew how to cut the corners exquisitely. And um, yeah, so there was, that, that was definitely something that surprised me. Right, because I would never. That that'd be like the tenth thing I would have said about Jeff Bagwell. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I'm right with you. Yeah. Um, so I've seen that on your Facebook page. You stream MLB the show. Uh, you do some live streams. Yeah, during the game. Uh, what's your favorite baseball video game of all time? Who? Um, man, I love MLB the show. I really do. Uh, I kind of feel like RBI baseball back in the day. Okay. Yeah, uh, was good. Also, the Nintendo baseball that may have been like Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that was that was definitely a good one. But I, I think MLB The Show is one of the uh, best-looking uh, sports video games of all time. Um, it looks great. I know some people complain about different elements and bugs and things like that, and you're not going to please everyone at every time. But that's but, just the nature um, of a video game. <laughs> like, ab- absolutely, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I, en- I enjoy it. I- I'll stream on my Facebook page um, about three, four times a week, and it's just... Um, you know, I'm fascinated with esports. I really want to become more involved in esports, so it's that's why I do it. And it, also, it's a chance to to interact with fans. We talk about baseball, and they they watch me try not to curse while I fail miserably playing the game. <laughs> My favorite ever was the MVP baseball on PlayStation Two. It was the 2004, 2005. Both of those were my favorite. And you're talking about like the games were buggy. I, I can't remember specifically which one. I think it was 2005. Left-handed batters had one third the power. It was just a glitch in the game. It was impossible to hit a home run with a left-handed batter, and it was still my favorite baseball game of all time. So if you're complaining about a video game, was that the one with Manny on the? Was that was that the one with Manny on the cover? Yeah, Manny was 05, and then 04 was Pujols. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before we let you go, I just want to get your take on on the American League and how you see it shaking out. The Twins are are having a very surprising season. They're slugging the ball. But I still, if I'm saying I'm picking Houston, Boston, and the Yankees as the top three teams, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the the mix, the top three. I think you have it right, and you can jumble any one of them uh, right now, and uh, you, I, you couldn't. I, I could not argue with it because I I think they're a notch above the Twins. That being said, the Twins are not going away. Um, I think they're going to win that division uh, handily. I don't know if they're going to win it by double digits or eight or nine games, but it, I, I think that they could win it by five to seven. I'm really concerned about Cleveland. I wonder if they become a, uh, a seller mm-hmm. if, if things get really uh, start taking a, a really dark turn. Um, I don't think it would happen at the deadline, but maybe in the off season, if, if the trend continues, do they trade away Francisco Lindor, which would be interesting. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'm a little con- for, for the twins. I think the back end of, of their rotation beyond Barrios, beyond Odorizzi, what does that, do they have enough? What about in the bullpen? What if they sign Craig Kimbrell? Um, right. There's that, these two guys um, out there with Keuchel and Kimbrell that could totally shift things. Yeah, they could. Um, also at the same time, what are those two guys going to look like once you plot them down? facing batters that are already in mid-season form and already in that mid-season rhythm. And they're, look, I'm not implying that these two have just been sitting on their couch. You know, they've been out there throwing. They're probably throwing sim games. But it would seem to me that who's someone who has never played at the major league level, that (laughs) that is quite a different and quite a stark contrast from pitching sim games against high schoolers or college players and going right into the thick of a uh, major league pennant race. Yeah, and I, I know I still put the Red Sox near the top, but for just watching them, they something doesn't look right there. I can't put my finger on it. Well, I, you know, there was questions about the bullpen. Um, you know, they they decided to move on from Kimbrel. Um, you know, and and opt for options internally. Um, I'm always wary of of putting people in positions or asking them to do things that they haven't done yet. It it doesn't mean that it can't happen. I just think 
it makes it a little bit more difficult. And maybe your margin for error is a little bit smaller. But uh, I know David Price left last night's or last night's start with an illness. But you got to mm-hmm. figure he'll be fine. Yeah, Chris Sale is turn- Yeah, so Chris Sale is trending in a much more positive direction even though the Astros beat him the other night. So they're going to be in it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and, and you know what? Don't forget about the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they're there. Yeah, I, I, I think they're yeah, there. So, they got off to a hot start, and I think um, they've come back a little bit. But I still think they could be a wild-card team easily. Uh, abs- absolutely. 100%. And if you're facing, if you're so, facing Snell in a wild-card game, like, good luck, man. Right. And, and what happens if, uh, you know, what if they decide to get uh, Dallas Keuchel, the, the Tampa Bay Rays? You know, I, I mean, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I personally think uh, the AL East gets three teams into the playoffs um, with Minnesota being being the winner in the, uh, in the Central. And then the West, of course, is the Astros. All right, good stuff. Appreciate the time, Robert. And again, check out his show, MLB Central, weekdays, 10 a.m. That will be live at Yankee Stadium Wednesday morning. Robert, thanks for the time. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.